Joe Judge, who joins us right now. Joe, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, good, guys. How you guys doing today? We're doing great. Now, last time we talked to you, you finished up the interview, and then you fired your offensive line coach. So are you going to fire anybody today after you talk to us? No, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> you know, that, that, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing because uh, Philadelphia's job just came open yesterday, Joe. And, you know, I try to explain to fans out there what the interview process for you guys is like. Maybe you could shed, take a minute or two here to shed a light on, you know, how difficult it is for the general manager to select the absolute right guy for the team and what it's like going through that. Yeah, I would say that, you know, they're all generally different is, is the first thing that I've always been told. And I've been on, you know, a limited number of these. I've only been on two, to be honest with you, uh, one of which was here. It's a different process everywhere you go through. For me, it was it was a lot of just philosophical talks and conversations about what we valued and how we'd want to do things, a lot of stuff of that nature. But I would say that, you know, it's, it's a very tough decision for ownership and the general manager to really make because, while you think these interviews are really, you know, almost like week-long things, they're not. They're very quick snapshots. You've got to get across your message. They've got to ask the right questions to kind of get to the bottom. And that's why, you know, you talk about Robert coming for a second interview. I think the length of the interview, you know, is very important in terms of being able to really get to know each other. Uh, for me, it was a long one. Spent the entire day here last year. There was some other communication as well on top of that. You know, I think this year the one thing that's unique about it, um, talking to some of the guys I've been interviewing, you know, around the league, is they're really starting through Zoom. So that's got to be a different feel for, you know, sitting across from somebody, but now you're looking through a computer screen and trying to get a feel for each other in terms of, you know, if you're hiring, is this a guy that I want to run my team? And if you're the guy, you know, interviewing, you know, is this the place that I want to kind of go ahead and, and try to establish myself with in terms of do we really have a feel for each other? So to me, the second interviews in this process this year have to be critical. Um, but the feedback I've gotten from guys interviewing this year, talking to guys around the league, um, is it has been an, obviously a different experience going through the Zoom stuff. You know, I would think that every team asks a prospective head coach who his staff is. Isn't that like one of the more important questions and to have answers to be able to give an idea as to what your staff is going to look like, what kind of offense you uh, believe in, what kind of defensive scheme and structure you believe in, and how your special teams are going to look? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. You know, I think part of the question coming in is a lot of people want to see something along terms of some kind of coaching binder or calendar uh, something that shows you're organized. And then also along the same lines, they want to talk about your staff. Who do you want to bring in? The only thing I'd say this is is the promising on the staffs is very difficult in terms of a lot of times guys go into interviews and say, okay, I'm going to bring, you know, Mike Ditka's going to run this side of the ball, Bill Walsh going to run the other side of the ball. And it's like, well, those guys may not be available. And in the NFL, in terms of, you know, what the rules were at least last year, you have to get permission to let guys out of their contracts and get going. So unless somebody's necessarily free, it's their contract's running up, where you know they can get out, a lot of times there's just kind of promising names you can't always deliver on. So it's something you have to be careful with right there. To me, it was important last year with uh, the mayors was just I wanted to explain more so instead of who I was going to hire, the type of people I was looking for, what I wanted the offense to look like, the defense, the kicking game, you know, the kind of people I valued in the organization. Because to me, it's when you do it right and you have success, there's going to be guys in your staff who are going to have opportunities to move on elsewhere as potentially head coaches or assistants uh, that may become coordinators. So – to me, it's more important about you know the philosophy of who you want to hire, what kind of people you're looking for, and then what your plan for developing them internally is. And that's something that's important to me is instead of always having to go outside to bring somebody new in, is you're better off working with guys you already know. It's already established what's expected, what the culture is, and the players have a feel for them as well. So as they do well and you do well and other people have opportunities, you just promote from within and then bring in younger guys to develop and grow them inside. 
Talking to New York Giants head coach Joe Judge on the Fan and CBS Sports Network. We are now more than a week away after your season ended. When you look back on the campaign, the 2020 New York Giants, what's your evaluation of how things went? Yeah, look, it was obviously a very challenging year for everyone in the league in a lot of ways. Uh, there's a lot of things to overcome, you know, before you even got to the X's and the O's. Um, you know, I'm proud of the organization where everyone was able to work together with one vision, get moving. I was proud of the way the players, you know, handled a lot of, uh, you know, adversity through the all season of how to prepare, uh, definitely an adjustment to training camp. And then a lot of things within the season in terms of the protocols they had to operate in, you know, throughout the, throughout the way. And I think there's some things that, you know, obviously – you don't make public and you don't talk or make a big deal about because everyone's dealing with things. But there are a lot of things within the league that every player on every team this year had to really deal with, which was far from normal in the scope of any normal football season. Um, I'm really proud of the way our guys worked. Um, you know, I made it clear last week talking to the team and talking to everyone else that, you know, look, I, I guard a lot of things that I do very closely in the way I witness and everything. But I really had, you know, really one true goal for this year, and that was to get the foundation of the culture laid. Um, and I found that, you know, that was definitely a success for our team moving forward and I found that out really when we were at one and seven at midway point and obviously there's a lot of you know difficulty and there's a lot of noise on the outside but inside I can see the guys coming to work every day doing it the right way trusting the process and improving and then that started turning the back in the year we were able to go five and three in those last eight but I think all that was from all the positivity and belief they had in the system going through those first weeks where it was one and seven so to me the toughest part is getting the foundation laid to make sure that everything you build on top of that you can stand on what the base of the organization is going to be. And, and I was really proud of our players and how they were able to do that. You know, it's a learning experience for sure. Uh, first and foremost, how happy were you to hear that Patrick Graham was turning down head coaching opportunities and interviews to stay with you? Well, look, keeping Pat here was definitely a priority for us. Um, we, we know Pat's going to have a lot of opportunities going forward. He's a very, very smart coach. He's a very good communicator. He has a lot of really good ideas and, He's very good getting the players to buy and understand the concept he's trying to do. But, yeah, look, I'll tell you what, I mean, that to me was huge. Uh, that was huge. I mean, Pat, look, Pat's a great coach. He's a good friend. You know, being able to keep him in this organization for as long as we can, that, that definitely was a priority. Uh, he's a tremendous help to me. I mean, he carries that title of assistant head coach, and that's not just fluff on a sheet. He does a lot of things helping me internally. Uh, to be honest with you, right now we're, we're in the building together. Uh, he's the only other coach in here right now. We've already started kind of floating through some sheets of, you know, free agents and start like poking around some of the draft stuff right now. So, I mean, he's great to always bounce ideas off each other. Um, and definitely, you know, look, I'm definitely happy he's coming back next year. You know, continuity is a key for sure. And that's a good thing for you guys. Uh, any, any regrets on playing Daniel Jones against the Arizona Cardinals, especially after coming off the big victory against Seattle? You know, um, I, I thought you guys raised your level of play to support your backup quarterback, Colt McCoy. You come back, and it was obvious to all of us that Daniel was not 100%. And, and I know you have to make a tough decision there because the player wants to play, but it really looked like he wasn't ready to play. You know, I'm not a big regrets person. Um, I, I know what you're alluding to on that, though, Boomer, and it's definitely a fair question. I would say this, you know, going into that game, we made sure that we did absolutely everything we could to ensure that he's going to be able to go out there and that he was going to come out of the game no worse off than he would be with the current injury that he had. And to be honest with you, that actually improved throughout the entire year. And At no point did he have a setback with the hamstring issue. And this guy did a really good job. And, look, it wasn't easy for him. He's a tough dude. And look, sometimes there's a lot of injuries that are worse than kind of are initially led on to, and, and his was definitely a significant injury that he battled through for the rest of the year. There were some things we had to adjust to within the game. Um, obviously, it was a different style of play than what we've been doing for the previous weeks with Daniel. Uh, Arizona had a good game plan, and uh, to be honest with you, we, we didn't coach well enough in that game, and we didn't play well enough in that game to take advantage of it. 
Um, but Daniel was physically able to go on the field. Uh, to me, it'd be more about making better adjustments in the game and making a better game plan on the front end. But we have to learn from that experience and go forward. But I'm proud of the way both him and Colt played this year. You know, I think one thing about Colt um, is how good a teammate he was throughout the year of staying ready and being very supportive of Daniel when his number got called. I think the team rallied around Colt so much because they saw how hard he worked in practice on a daily basis and how much of a team guy he really was. And, you know, I think one of the funny things is, you know, it's almost the defense, you know, had such a close connection to Colt because he played so much against our defense in practice and was great in terms of giving us feedback as coaches that we would do certain things for whether it's a third down or red zone game plan. We'd sit down after practice with Colt and uh, between, you know, him, myself, and Pat Graham, he would kind of just give us some insight. Hey, listen, I can see what you're doing here. I can tell what the coverage is going to be based on this guy's alignment or this disguise is tough for me to pick up on. So he gave us a lot of feedback, and, and those defensive guys really got challenged by him on a daily basis because Colt wasn't going out there to just go ahead and read a card. Like he was going out there to make a play, and, you know, try and win the drill. So, you know, they, they got to compete against him every day. So when he, his number was called, there's a lot of confidence from the team in him as well. You know, Joe, we're talking to Joe Judge, head coach of the New York Giants. Uh, we often talk about dedication, a player's dedication to his craft, uh, to his business, working hard, keeping his head down, not making the story about himself. It's a, t- it's a, it's a team-first attitude, which you brought here. Um, and given in light what happened with Dwayne Haskins down in Washington uh, and how everybody talks about dedication and how you measure somebody's dedication coming out of the draft – uh, why are you so sure that Daniel Jones can be a long-term solution at quarterback for the Giants? You know what? About a year ago, when I took this job. You know, obviously, everyone's busting my chops a little bit because I wasn't, you know, fast to start talking about any individual players uh, and try and put any kind of titles on them. And uh, that was trying to be fair to the players. And I didn't want to go ahead and create expectations that they had to live up to. I wanted to give them the opportunity to learn the systems, to perform, and just grow within what they're doing. We have a young team, especially a lot of the players who are being asked about were the young players. You know, specifically with Daniel, and I shared this with him earlier in the years, I told him, I said, look, part of the thing we had to evaluate this year is I'd evaluate you and see if he was really the answer and see if he was the guy that we could build with. And there hit a point in the year where you could see there were different, you know, traits that he had that the team really responded to, and his level of play was raised. Now, look, there's a lot of things you could argue in terms of, you know, statistical output, this or that, but I'm just telling you, when you watch the guy, how he handles the huddle, when you watch how he has command over the offense, when you watch how he's adjusted within game plans, when you see the level of toughness he plays with and you watch him prepare away from, you know, away from the field, you know, better than anybody else, you know, on a daily basis. And that's saying a lot because our guys really empty the tank every day. You know, there's a lot of things you look at with him. And you say, okay, this guy gives us confidence to go forward with him because we know he's going to be prepared. We know he's going to compete and we've seen improvement from him. And there's a lot of things that kind of go unnoticed, maybe by the naked eye or things you're not, you know, privy to seeing within daily day of meetings or practice, but there's a lot of things he's just done repeatedly where I can look at him with confidence and say, okay, this guy gives our chance, our team a chance to be successful. Talking to Joe Judge on the fan and CBS Sports Network, your comments after Week 17, Eagles-Washington went everywhere. It became a national topic. It wasn't a New York-only topic because of what you had to say. You didn't address the Eagles specifically, but a lot of people knew what you were talking about. Now, some of the criticism that came out of it was, hey, you guys went 6-10. and 10. You weren't good enough to make the playoffs. You have to look at yourself in the mirror as opposed to worrying about what another team has done. Uh, some of that criticism that was out there, would you like to address the people that were coming after you and your record as opposed to uh, pointing the finger maybe at what the Eagles did to not try to win a game in Week 17? Yeah, I'd say first off, and, and criticism on me, to be honest with you, I've got pretty thick skin. Um, I was keeping keep perspective what it is, but I would say this, you know, 
I spent about the previous 20 minutes of that interview explaining that we had 16 opportunities and we didn't take advantage of them. And that was my message to the team after the season. Uh, that's the reality of what it is. Uh, it's a production business, and we have to do better. And our, our fate should never be in anybody else's hands. And we don't depend on anyone else to be successful. And we're not upset with somebody else for, for our limited opportunities. There are, are opportunities, and we have to take advantage of them. I can't be more clear about that. Look, I'm not a guy that makes excuses. We're not a team that makes excuses, not now, not ever. Uh, my comments were clearly what I've been saying to our team since day one about our approach to how we're going to play the game here. And uh, my comments were specifically in response to the question that my players have been asking me throughout the day concerning some of the things that happened around the league. To me, it's just it's important to respect the game. It's important to respect the players that lay it on the line for you every day. Um, that, to me, is critical. Our job as coaches is very simple. You put your players on the field, you do everything you can to give them a chance to be successful. That's it. Don't make it more than what it is. And the player's job is to go out there and execute the plan and play as hard as they can for 60 minutes and do everything they can to win the game. And that's what it really is. And to me, just the base respect for the game is what I was trying to get across. And the respect for everybody who's involved, been involved with this season, all right, from coaches, players, support staff, and the families you know, around. There's been a lot of sacrifices made around the league. And, look, all I was trying to get across was the point of, you know, we're going to always do everything we can to be successful here. We're going to always try and put the players in position to be successful. And we expect the players to always play for 60 minutes. So when right? you... It has nothing to do with us not making the playoffs at all. Look, that's our fault, point blank. We have to do better. Six and ten is not a playoff team. That's that's reality. That's what it is. You don't deserve to be in the playoffs at that. And our guys know that. And they understand that. Our guys are very, you know, realistic at how they look at things. We're very honest and transparent with our team in all moments. Uh, we're not trying to sit back and trying to make some kind of excuse, or we're not sitting back trying to paint some picture someone else owes us anything. They don't. We owe it to ourselves to go out there and make sure we take advantage. But what I was commenting on was a question specifically about had our players been had they asked me about that, how did I respond to it? And I was very clear on what my message to the team was throughout the year from I've gotten here day one. And then also on the last meeting we had as a team, that's what I share with the team as well, just so they can understand our approach as an organization here and my approach as a coach to make sure they're always out there fighting for a reason. So do you believe that the Philadelphia Eagles, the way they handled that game in Week 17, disrespected the NFL game? Look, I'm, I'm going to let the Eagles speak for themselves on that one right there. I think I'm in clear at this point, Greg, and, and just I'm going to leave it at that right there. Okay. Um, I was pretty, you know, pretty thorough in the way I explained everything. So I got I'll you. Go ahead and let them. I actually like the way you explained it, Joe. So I don't, you know, you keep saying it, man, because you're talking to your, you're talking to your fans. You're talking for your organization, not talking for anybody else. You know, now it is interesting that Doug Peterson gets fired yesterday and nobody likes to talk about coaches losing their jobs and things of that nature. Uh, you've coached against him now as the head coach of the Giants twice this year. You also saw him in the Super Bowl when uh, the Eagles uh, were able to come back and beat you guys and put out a huge offensive numbers. Your sense of who he is as a coach and does did he deserve to be fired and should he be hired somewhere else? Uh, well, look, I'll, I'm never going to comment on anybody else's job. That, that's their decision as an organization. I can tell you I have a tremendous amount of respect for Doug. Uh, he's obviously comps a lot in this league. He's done a lot with that team. Um, I've gone against him twice. You know, both games were obviously, you know, hard competition. Each one of us, you know, were able to have success with our teams one way or the other throughout the year. But um, I have a lot of respect for Doug. Um, going against him now, like you said, several times, including going back to 2017 when I was an assistant. Um, and he's done a good job with that team. I'll let the organization speak for the decisions, what they want to do going forward. Uh, I'm going to always, you know, go ahead and avoid talking about somebody else's job, whether it's on the staff or somewhere else. But a lot of respect for him and what he's accomplished in this league. Now, in a general sense, not just Doug Peterson, but do you believe, having been a head coach for a year now, that when someone 
is, you know, an organization moves on from a coach, that that coach, if he's given an opportunity, should jump right back in? Or do you think that maybe after the way things went in a certain place that maybe a year off would, would benefit a particular coach before jumping back into the game? I think it's on an individual basis. I think you've seen on both sides. You've seen guys take a year off and come back and have great success. You've seen guys jump right into another job and do the same thing. So, to me, it's on an individual basis. I think, you know, obviously you've got to look in terms of, you know, what each individual coach, you know, needs in terms of, you know, time to, you know, gather his thoughts or get steam to go back up going, whatever it may be. Um, and then also what what are the opportunities presented to him at the same time? You know, just to jump back into any opportunity isn't always the right opportunity. Did you watch the games this weekend on TV, Joe? I did. I did. I watched I watched them all. I sat there with uh, with my sons and, and sat there and watched the game and uh, – yeah, I mean, look, it's it's great watching playoff football, but uh, it's also very frustrating at the same time. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna say that I know that you know the fact that we had six games this weekend was awesome. I thought the NFL did a great job with Super Wild Card Weekend, adding another mm-hmm. uh, Wild Card team, which was great. And it's unfortunate you guys didn't make it. Um, when you look at these other teams, is there is there a common thread that you see when it comes to the success of those teams? Look, I think when you get to playoff football, it all comes down to execution. You can talk about what teams have done throughout the year, you know how they've attacked different game plans. To me, it, it truly comes down to those 60 minutes of execution. And you know, I talked to our players before I left. I said, when you watch these games, sit back, relax, allow yourself to just watch and enjoy the games, but also watch the game from the lens that you've learned to really see it. Look at the situations. Look at the things that really impact the game. Turnovers, penalties, the mental errors. You know, take a look at you know maybe something someone could have done differently and how we would have handled it. And really try to look through that lens. That's kind of when I watch it. I kind of sit down, I watch it, and you know, make a mental note, or sometimes jot something down in a notebook that I, you know, come back in. There's a lot of texting going back and forth, to be honest with you, between you know me and other members of our staff in terms of all right, you see a situation, what would we do differently? How can we handle that? Or hey, it's something maybe we should implement into what we're doing. Um, but I think the common thread with all these teams always ends up being just execution. As you watch these games, you know, obviously the intensity is up. But it's always a couple plays. It's never, you know, very rarely is it a blowout, right? It, it's always a couple plays here or there, and how could you handle it different? It's it's a fumble here. It's an interception there. It's a, a costly penalty that kills a drive. It's a mental error where someone misses a blitz pickup and the quarterback gets strip sacked. So there's something that always, you know, kind of ties to it. To me, it's who can do the best job for those 60 minutes, you know, on that given day. Because at this point, all the teams in are capable of winning any game on any day. I'm not going to get so, specific. I, I don't. I want to get specific about a particular team. But first, though, Tom Brady was amazing on Saturday night, was he not? Oh yeah, he was. Oh he God, was, is he fun to watch him? Yeah, he, and he knows how to stand in that pocket. He knows how to read the read the defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and this is a hypothetical. And I know you've been up with Bill in, in New England. I was just wondering how you would have handled, like, say, uh, a week 17 game where you know where you are in the playoffs. And let's say your guys are healthy. I'm not talking about resting guys that have bumps and bruises that are maybe a little older and they need it. But I do think that some teams get a little bit uh, careless in the final week of the season when the game doesn't really matter anything and they give players off. And then when they come back and play the next week, they don't look right. I know that wasn't the way that it was done with Bill Belichick. Is that how you would carry your team? You know, I think, honestly, I think it always comes down to the specific team and players involved in that specific case where it's not going to affect seeding one way or another. I think for the most part, most players want to go out there and play a couple series. That's from my experience of listening to kind of older veteran players. There were times we had discussed sitting guys, and they would came in and say, no, I want to go ahead and get the first quarter under my belt before we get into the playoffs. Um, so I think there's things you have to consider in terms of who the team is and how they respond to everything. 
for the most part, you know, you could go ahead and say, well, some such such team, rest of their players came back rusty and started slow. I think that can happen either way. I think it happened either way. But to me, it's, you know, you, you want to play your players as much as possible. You want to put them out there. You still want to be successful in that final game. You know, I don't really see any game ever as a throwaway game or, you know, take for granted game. So you want to put your team out there and give them a chance to be successful. And sometimes at the end of the year, that does include getting some other guys some reps because as you get into the playoffs, they may end up having a significant role that maybe they haven't had throughout the regular season. You want them to be prepared as well. So there's a time you want to go ahead and make sure your guys rotate in there and get as many reps as can be. See, it's a tricky situation because I look at what the Pittsburgh Steelers did in Week 17, and there was a playoff spot on the line for the Cleveland Browns. It also affected other teams in the league, like the Miami Dolphins, and the Steelers did not put their best players out there in that game, and that had an effect on other organizations. You know, What's your opinion on that and that situation as opposed to your opinion on maybe making a change in-game like we saw what the Philadelphia Eagles did in Week 17? To be really honest with you, I didn't pay too much attention to how Pittsburgh handled the Week 17 deal. Um, well, they sat Ben and they sat Marquise Pouncey. So, I mean, they didn't play Ben Roethlisberger. So, clearly, they weren't you know, playing their best players at the most important positions. You know, look, I'd have to ask Mike and talk more about what his thought was behind that. You know, obviously, in terms of how that goes right there, you know, was he trying to get somebody else ready to prepare them in case they had to play for the playoffs? Um, I don't know where Ben was with everything in terms of health-wise. I can't really speak on that team right there. So, uh, did you call Nick Saban after last night's game, congratulate him, and say how you can get Devontae Smith on your team? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely touch base when talking about the spring. I'll shoot, I shot him a text this morning. Uh, other than that, to be honest with you, uh, the score got kind of carried away. I'm falling asleep before the end of the game, but woke up to a lot of roll tide texts. Uh, <laughs> but they're, they're, they're definitely impressive. There's a lot, there was a lot of good players on the field from both teams last night. Could you imagine coaching against them at Mississippi State as opposed to being the New York Giant head coach? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, that would be an awful tough uh, job to do, I, I'm sure. Hey, uh, last one for you. I know you're so focused and you work so hard, and we know you're going to be in that building all the time. But in the off season, do you have any hobbies? You know what? I mean, there's things I enjoy. I'm not a big golfer. Um, I haven't gone hunting in a little while, to be honest with you. Kind of, you know, living in Massachusetts for years, that wasn't something that was really readily available. Uh, I haven't had a chance to go out in Jersey yet. Uh, but, look, it's mostly family time for me, to be honest with you. Kind of when I get free time, it's i got four children. I try and catch up with them as much as possible, be involved with them. They all play youth sports. Uh, I try to be at every game I can. And then, you know, around the house, there's always something going on with the kids. So, to be honest with you, if, if I'm not working, my, my hobby really ends up becoming my family. Yeah. Sounds like me. Boomer, I told you. It's family and it's work. (laughs) I don't have any hobbies. It's family, it's work, it's everything, yes. Uh, Well, uh, Joey, it was great talking to you and getting to know you this year. Uh, Best of luck in this offseason, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you soon. Yeah, definitely, guys. I appreciate you. All right, Joe, thanks. That's Joe Judge, New York Giants head football coach on the fan. Could have had him on for an hour. Yeah. Oh, easily. Easily.